and we are here with uh, a mystery guest, at least a mystery to me, because I know nothing about this this whole event. So this, I'm kind of like in your shoes. So Adam, please. Yeah, we are here with Ron Bouchard from uh, Waypoint Mastermind, and you also own a realty company, right? Yeah, AVN Realty. Nice. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. Yes, we're super excited to be here. Uh, one of my good friends, Antonio, has been telling me for a long time that I need to talk to you. and He doesn't know anything. No, nothing. <laughs> After our conversation yesterday, you know, I could tell that he, he knows absolutely nothing. No, no, you got it all wrong. We're in the same boat. <laughs> <laughs> so for the people that may not know who you are yet, why don't you give yourself a quick intro for our um, audience? Well, I'm Ron Bouchard. I'm a real estate broker here in Taunton. Um, and I also own a company called Waypoint Mastermind. And Waypoint Mastermind is um, in place to help people live fulfilled lives. That's its primary design. And we do that through a number of, of uh, ways. And the biggest way is through mastermind meetings and, mm. and having them um, live it while they learn it. How long have you been doing Waypoint for? Um, since 2009. Wow. What initiated? Uh, this is what I'm going to do. <laughs> well, it was actually uh, accidental. I used to be a real estate investor and really successful at it. Um, and I retired from it. But um, when I was a real estate investor, I would teach real estate investors how to do what I did. Mm. Take them through the process, show them by taking them and and introducing them to this process, and uh, they still weren't doing it, even though they had guidance. So it really plagued me, what, what, what is going on with these people? <laughs> you know, you, you're showing them the steps by doing it with them, they're involved in the process, and they still can't. Mm. They, they can't, they still can't take action. So it sent me on a long journey to figure out what makes people do. take action. Yeah. yeah. So, um, Fast forward, I came across Napoleon Hill's uh, Law of Success, uh -huh. um, studied it really, really well, um, and found most of the answers. But Napoleon Hill's Law of Success is fantastic because it had a lot of holes in it. So then I started filling all the holes in, 200 plus other books later. Um, Jesus. And then I was sitting in a, in a meeting. Um, uh, we had contact the Napoleon Hill Foundation, and Napoleon Hill Foundation gave us the green light to be one of the two people in the country who could teach law success. Wow. The other is in Purdue University. But when I was teaching law success, it didn't sit well with me. It just didn't. There was something missing. And then I was sitting in a meeting with other mastermind group members, and a light came on. And the boat boat happened. <laughs> so a clear system popped into my head in full detail. And just based off of the symbolism of a boat, you were able to... Yes. Well, through the symbolism of life on the ocean. Mm. So life is an ocean. Mm -hmm. It's full of possibilities. It's full of um, shores to explore. Um, it's deep with resources. Mostly unknown. Really? Yeah, <laughs> mostly unknown. And um, as a result of life being an ocean, we don't all have the same outcome, do we? Mm, not at all. So why is that? Why is it, if life is full of resources and full of opportunity, why is it some of us do better than others? Why is it some people thrive and some people just barely survive? Mm. What is the secret sauce? Is there one? There is. <laughs> there, are, there are multiple secrets. But it all starts with the, um, the biggest secret, and it's making a decision. Um, decision is probably the most important step, and it's a step that everyone fails to recognize. 
and that decision is basically who's in control of your life. So who's in control of your life? Me. Yeah. <laughs> Ultimately. As much as my wife hates it, me. <laughs> Are you sure about ourselves? That? Yeah. For sure. Well, science would say different. Hmm. Because since we're very young, um, we are programmed. Would you agree with that? Sure. Mm -hmm. So from a young child, when you're very vulnerable, you need people. Those people come into your life and they program you. They fill your head with all kinds of information, good or bad, or otherwise. Um, and then we spend all of our life recording these, these messages that our parents have told us, that our schools have taught us, churches have taught us, that the media has taught us. And then they, they're like a tape recorder in our subconscious mind. Most of us spend 95% of our day asleep at the mercy of our subconscious mind. So who's actually doing the thinking for you? Is it you and your consciousness, or is it your subconscious mind and the programming? Yeah, I guess 95%. If 95% is controlling some tape recording, just playing over and over and over again, I would say that. But I, I tend to use or think, let's say, more of the time. Right? Yeah. I, I think a lot of entrepreneurs do because they do. Yeah. I would I disagree with you. Do, okay. Um, statistically, people actually think less than 95% of the time. I was giving you the benefit of the doubt. Hmm. Most people actually spend their time 99% in their subconscious mind. But entrepreneurs, probably people like us, probably more in the 5% consciousness stage. Huh. Um, and all the rest of the time we spend just remembering. So it's not thinking, it's remembering. We think we're thinking, but we're actually remembering. Okay. Yep. So it's vitally important then to figure out where those programs came from. Hmm. Would you agree? Yeah. So the main difference between those who succeed and those who fail are the programs that are in our subconscious mind. So we need to affect them. So the subconscious mind and the programming, I liken to a boat. So if life is an ocean, you can only survive on the ocean if you have a strong enough boat. The stronger the boat, the better you survive. Most people spend all their lives surrounded by people who build robots. Since everybody around them is building robots, that's all they knew how to build. Mm -hmm. That's the blueprint that they've learned. And so their children, they teach the blueprint to their children. Their children build robots. Um, their children teach other children how to build robots. And so goes the cycle. Did you once build a robot? Oh, yes. Sure. I came from a typical middle class family. My father was was injured. Uh, he was a prison guard at Walpole Prison. When I was three years old, he got injured and spent most of his life disabled in bed. Mm. And I was raised primarily by my mother. And I had a brother and sister, and of course, like all families, the siblings, none of us are the same. They were pretty much polar opposite. So. It's funny how that happens. Yes. Yeah. Certain events within lives, even though it's like mostly the same, can like really change and form you as a person. Yeah, they're called key decisions. Mm. Each one of us has a key decision that hits us in our lives, yep. and it affects the next 20, 30 years. That makes a lot of sense. And it could be something small. For some people, it's something that somebody said to them. You should teach us. Teachers are very influential in people's lives. Um, there is a woman that I've been talking to who teacher told her that um, she wasn't that smart. Wow, that's, it, it, that must have really stuck with her. She made a key decision from that point on that she was not very smart. And so she stopped trying to be smart. And she started living as somebody who was not smart. So it, it negatively impacted yes. her. 
my wife had a similar experience. I was talking to another woman yesterday at my board meeting, very successful woman today, but she had a similar experience. And she said it was only 10 years ago that she actually was able to free herself from it. See, these key decisions, they anchor us and they can keep us stuck. It's not the only thing that keeps us stuck, but that's a big one. So our unconscious programming um, is what I call the drift currents. There are four sociological forces in our, in our world. Like I said, the media, the schools, the churches, and our friends, family, creating social drillers. They have the most influence over our program. Would you agree? Mm-hmm. So off the coast of the United States, um, between the United States and Europe, there's a um, system of currents called the North Atlantic Gyre. There's four currents that goes round and round and round. The currents are formed by water blowing on the surface of the ocean and causing drift currents. Mm-hmm. Much like the drift currents of the ocean, we have four sociological currents in the real world. Those currents drag us round and round and round. They form our culture. What we think about what we're supposed to be doing. What's expected of us. Because mm. yeah, they told us that we're expected to do these things. I don't know who they are and who gave them power, but they direct our lives. So stands to reason if they direct our lives and our subconscious programming, we're pretty much following Program. what they told us to do. Hmm. So I guess the, the big question is how do you break free? How do you get out of that, that trench that's dictating where you go? Well, that's not the only thing that keeps us drifting. There's only one of four main um, problems that people call people to drift. So, like I said, the, the North Atlantic Gaia is circular in nature. So people spend all their lives drifting in these currents only to find themselves right back where they started from 10 years down the line. You ever feel that way? How's that? Right. Um, so that's how people live their lives. The good point of people in the, um, the drift currents is they have desperation. They're desperate for change. They still have hope that things mm-hmm. can be better. In the middle of the Saga, in the middle of the North Atlantic, there's a, a sea called the Sagazo Sea. Have you ever heard of the Sagazo Sea before? No. Well, Sagazo is Latin for a seaweed. And tons of pads of seaweed float on, on top of the ocean, on the sea. Um, and this gets into like a whirlpool, so everything pulls it in to the center. It's very slow moving. Um, and this Sargasso Sea has no current. Hmm. And it has no wind. It's very unique. It's, only the, it's the only um, shoreless sea in the entire world. It's hmm. like the eye of a hurricane. So, this is what I call, the, it's, it's nicknamed the Sea of Lost Ships. Because ships would get into the Sargasso Sea and never be seen again. And there's a lot of rumors, a lot of ghost ships, a lot of superstitious stories. Bermuda Triangle type of stories. Bermuda Triangle is actually part of the Sargasso Sea. Ah, okay. Which they believe the Sargasso Sea um, forms secondary whirlpool, Uh which is the the um, which is what is the Bermuda Triangle. Do we have some sort of force? with acting within us that's really similar to that? Well, the Sargasso Sea is where people go who give up. They kind of Mm. just stop drifting and they get pulled to the center. And those are where the complainers live. I'm sure you know some of them. (laughs) So they cause, uh, they spend all their life uh, blaming people and others for their problems. 
They blame the seaweed for the lack of movement, but the seaweed's not preventing them from going anywhere. In fact, there are a lot of old movies that are about the Sagazo Sea that have the seaweed have teeth. And very maniacal flesh-eating seaweed. But the seaweed is harmless. It just floats on the ocean. It's not preventing the boat from going anywhere. The biggest problem is there's no current. So they're not being pulled along by anybody. And there's no, there's no, um, no wind. No wind, so they're not being pushed by anything. So the only way they're going to get out of this mess is to get out the oars and row. Work hard. Yeah. But they'd rather create the safe problems, i.e. the seaweed, than to take power over their lives. So, so far we have two, right? We have mm-hmm. programs and we have the problems. You can either blame, justify, or complain, or you can do something about your life. You can either follow the current, or you can make your own decisions. The third is what I call the sea monsters. Fear. People are always afraid of that which they can't see. They're always running from things that aren't chasing them. So the, the best place to be is in the open ocean. But people don't leave the currents because the currents feel safe. It's actually a good idea that they don't leave the ocean, uh, the current, by the way. And not, at least not initially, because their boat's still weak. They still have a rowboat. They still have a rowboat. So if they go out in the middle of the rowboat, what's going to happen? They're going they to cast open waters. Yeah. They're going to disaster. Right, it's gonna, they're going to be left with just debris. And if they're left with just debris, what's going to happen to their programs? They're going to be reinforced. Their fears are going to be reinforced. See, I told you so. I told you you don't go out there. It's disastrous out there. There's sea monsters out there. There's pirates out there. So people don't go out there. They stay within the current. And the forces that created the current want it that way. The current is completely um, exists for control. They need to have control. The only thing keeping us in the current is ourselves. So what we need to do is we need to find people who are building bigger robots and learn from them. We need to get out of our comfort zone and surround ourselves with people who have ventured out to the open ocean and find out what they're doing differently. Mm-hmm. Sounds simple. And kind of is simple. See, all those programs, I liken them to a drunk monkey. So um, imagine you have a drunk monkey in your boat and he's just saying all kinds of nonsense to you all day long. That drunk monkey um, is the programs that somebody else told you. That's a drunk monkey speaking, not you. If you were to choose your programming, you certainly wouldn't chose those programs. But you're only conscious 5% of the day. How are you going to deal with the drunk monkey? So all of your life, the drunk monkey's directing the ship. And that's a disaster. Or he's just um, telling you all limiting beliefs. So you're drifting around in circles. Or you're falling to the Sargasso Sea, giving up and um, practicing resignation instead of taking control of the ship. So we have a drunk monkey problem. We have a fear problem. We have a programming problem, and we have a safe problem. Safe or problem problem. The, sea, uh, the um, seaweed problem. Which of those do you think is like the hardest for people to kind of break away from? Or is it just kind of you have to do it within steps? I think that um, they need a strategic approach to doing it. Um, but there's a fourth culprit. Hmm. The fourth culprit is life. Life happens. The storms of life come and they, they hit us all. Just because you're in the current doesn't mean you're not going to be subjected to the storms. One thing you can guarantee is storms are going to come. The question is, what do we do about the storms? 
Mm. We can't stop them. So we can either allow the storms to take us and do what, what they will with us, which is what most people do. Actually, most people are asleep, drifting, going from storm to storm to storm and spending the time in between bailing out their boats. Just time for the next one. So, you ever get that before? Totally, yeah. Not that exact way, but... Right, but very I mean, in life, yeah. though, it makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, that most people are spending their life um, bailing out their boats. They have a financial storm. Now they're spending all the next six months trying to recover from the financial storm. They finally recover from the financial storm. Their relationship storm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now they're finally recovering from the relationship storm. Now they get a they career storm. They get demoted or they get fired or place goes out of business, which will cause another storm, a financial storm, and probably a relationship storm. Yeah. And then health, your health deteriorates. And right, right, there's, there's fiscal storms. So all these storms are not in our control. But we can do two things about the storms. We can, we have control of how we perceive them, and we have, um, we have control of how we prepare for them. Mm. The stronger the boat, the better able will deal with the storm. Yep. We strengthen our financial part of the boat. When the financial storms come, they're not going to affect us as much. Our career part of the boat, not going to affect us as much. Our relationship part of the boat, not going to affect us as much. And you were, you mentioned comment earlier about um, opportunities. The reason, one of the big reasons why we need, we need to build a big boat is because big boats have masts. Mm. Right? What do masts hold? Wind. They hold sails. Mm. The sails are the only thing that can catch the opportunity, the wind of opportunity. Opportunity is all around us and it's all around everyone. But opportunity passes the average person by. They can't see it. They've got a rowboat. They have a rowboat. And even if they could see it, they're not prepared to catch it. Because no rowboat would, would withstand the weight of a mast. Mm. We need a big strong ship with multiple sails to catch as much opportunity as possible. The more opportunity we catch, the further we go, and the faster we go. So you mentioned uh, earlier, I think it was the third thing you mentioned, about finding somebody who knows how to build boats. Yes. Now, have you found people in your life that really know how to build a good boat? Yeah. Um, And the easiest way to find people who can build short boats is in the library. See, people who have succeeded before, if we, we have the benefit of, of knowledge. Um, Tony Robbins calls knowledge the commodity of kings. At one point in our history, the only people who had the knowledge were the kings. They had access to all the information. Sure. In our day and age, we live in the information age. We have access to information, but people don't take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, there's a lot of information out there. Most of it is garbage. In fact, 72% of what the average person believes is garbage. And they did a study finding out truth on Facebook. And guess how much percentage of that on Facebook was false? 99%? 72%. Wow. Hmm. 72%, 72%. Facebook is a mirror image of ourselves. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. we're the ones who post yeah. the nonsense on Facebook. Yeah, that's one of my favorite things. People are like, social media is ruining people. It's ruining the world. It's like, no, it's not. It's just exposing the people that were already pretty awful. <laughs> I've been heard, I've heard it called like a, uh, Facebook is an empty water pipe. And everything that everybody puts in is just water. You're the one putting the, the garbage water through the pipe. 
the problem with Facebook is the things that are posted on Facebook are the best of their lives. Mm. You don't get the problems that you have to deal with. You don't get the storms on Facebook. Right? Most of the time, yeah. yeah. Most you, you get, oh, look at my beautiful car. Look at my beautiful life. Yeah. It's a false narrative. People's life don't actually look that way. In fact, you need to learn from the failures because that's where all the, all the lessons are. If your life is easy, you're not learning anything. Mm-hmm. As he said before, as you know, Antonio said, I'm, I'm sorry, Antonio is sitting off, off, <laughs> off camera, but uh, um, tea bag is only strong if it's been through hot water. Mm. You know, we're not good to anybody if we haven't been through hot water. We're not strong enough. We haven't, we haven't had any part of life. We haven't failed, so we, haven't, we can't teach the lessons of life. Because failure is where all the lessons are. I agree, thousand percent. So, um, after people recover and they build a strong boat, the next problem they face is, is, a, is a very large problem. They don't know where they want to go. See, all of our lives we've been told what to do, what to think, what to, what to want, what to believe. It's called the standardization uh, covenant um, in the book Dark Horse. Um, Todd Ross writes about what's called the standardization covenant. At one point, um, medicine was, was, um, was dispensed unequally. So the portions weren't, weren't the same. It was very, very difficult to <laughs> treat somebody if you're not giving them a correct portion. So they standardized it. So the medicines would come in um, uniform um, portions. Dosed. Right, and it's dosed. It wasn't dosed before, mm. it was portioned. Yeah. Um, then they standardized the car industry. Ford was uh, remarkably involved in, in adding standardization to the to the um, car manufacturing. Mm-hmm. Well, then they manufactured. They um, then they they apply the same standard to people. So now we are part of a system. We're a cog in a wheel. The problem with that is none of us are the same. We're all very different. None of us are square pegs. We don't fit in square peg or square holes because we're not square pegs. We're all art-shaped because we've all been given a unique gift. But the, um, the fact of the matter is most people are going to die with their gifts to live. Mm. They're going to die with the symphony never, never written. So people have to take a chisel and chisel their own peg. Well, no. There's, there's in, within each of us is a treasure chest. I believe it was given to us long before we were even born. Hmm. And in that treasure chest locks a, the, tre- the biggest treasure you could ever have. It's a thing that makes us better than, or different than the next person. We can do something better than, I can do something better than you can. But you have a gift that you can do better than I can. So when we get in touch with that, that gift, we can change the world. There are people throughout history who have gotten in touch with that gift. Um, look, for instance, Bill Gates. When, when he first had his gift, his vision of computers, they called him crazy, right? Um, he envisioned computers and everybody saw them. They said, that's crazy talk. What do we need one of those things for? Yeah, we were falling. <laughs> now we carry around one on the waist. And people can't live without them. Yep. Um, so history is riddled with, with all of these instances. Um, you have um, Steve Jobs who watched Star Trek. It was inspired by Star Trek. Mm. 
now we have touch screens. And when our gift is revealed and we do something with that gift, we can change the world. The person who can cure cancer is still out there, but they haven't yet in touch with their gift. How sad would it be if they never do? Mm. How do people build a big boat? How do people know where to go? Well, knowing where to go is a different question. Because society tells us, in order to be successful, we need to do what? Soci I don't really listen to society a lot. I just do what makes me happy. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah, him and I are very much on the outsides of, we like right. watch a but lot of this. You have to understand you're in the minority. So, how does the average person see success? How do they define it? What the Joneses are doing. Right, and, and what are the Joneses doing? Everything wrong. Yeah. They are doing everything wrong. <laughs> what is their metric? Money. Yeah, Money. Yeah. Fame and fortune. Now, fame and fortune is not going to make anyone happy. Mm-hmm. It's a delusion to think that fame and fortune can make anybody happy. Because fame and fortune alone is empty. It's, there's something more. Fulfillment does not come from money. Success is just the achievement of a goal. So that's where the harbors are. So when you're in the open ocean, there are multiple harbors out there. You choose your own harbor. When you hit that harbor, you have success. When you go for another harbor, you have success. Life is a journey. And it's multiple successes. But not every harbor is going to have uh, happiness. So you got a taste test. Well, there's one that does. And I call those the lighthouses. The harbors with the lighthouse, the guiding light, the thing that you were born to do, when you start heading in the harbor that matches, then you have fulfillment. And when you are in line with a harbor that has fulfillment, your life changes. Um, something miraculously happened, uh, miraculous happened to me in the process of, of um, trying to find the answer, I discovered my purpose. And when I discovered my purpose, sometimes I wish I hadn't, um, it was like um, a tape placed 24 hours a day you can't shut off. It's a magnificent obsession. It doesn't go away. It consumes you. It is you. And then you look back at your life and you figure out all the little things that you did that you didn't understand, now make sense. All things you've been doing make sense. And I actually did the exercise not too long ago because first I looked prior to my business career and the things I was doing and looked to see what the common threads were. And there was a couple. But, well, now that I know my purpose, there can't be any common threads going forward, right? Because everything's directed now. Hmm. No. There were a lot of things I was doing that I didn't know why I was doing them. And then when I revealed it, I realized all things were connected. And they were connected because every single one of them had to do with foundations. I have a nonprofit for children in foster care called Avian Cares. We provide care packages to children in foster care. So why did I open up Avian Cares? I've always wanted to be charitable. I've always wanted to contribute. But why that specific charity? Because foster children don't have a strong foundation. They're not building strong roads. They spend all their life surviving, not thriving. That's why it was important to me. It just wasn't conscious. Hmm. So I'm involved in scouting. Why am I involved in scouting? Because scouting teaches foundations. 
in my real estate office, what, what separates me from all the other real estate offices, foundations? My agents are taught foundations. Um, most real estate offices have really great training programs and they teach strategy. That's only step four. If your programming is bad and your foundation is weak, you can have all the, all the strategy you want. It's not going to help you. Mm-hmm. Brings you to the beginning of this conversation. The reason I was a real estate investor and nobody was doing anything about it was because they were all looking for strategies. I was providing a strategy, but they had weak foundations. I missed the other steps. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Did you, let's go way back. Did you always know that you wanted to be into uh, real estate investing and philanthropy? When I was four years old, I knew I was born for something more. That's a crazy thought. Um, didn't know what that meant. I'm four year old. <laughs> but I remember standing in my yard saying, I'm meant for something more. Did someone put that thought in your head? No. Hmm. No. It wasn't a program because I've thought about that quite often. But how do I have that, that thought? Because every one of us at some point in our life has a momentary uh, connection mm-hmm. with that gift. We get to see it for a glimpse. Hmm. We just forget about it. Because the current lulls us back to sleep. Um, so I call people who, who go outside the current, much like you two are, awake. Very few people are awake. They spend all their life drifting on the sea of life. Thinking they're taking control of their life and they're not taking any control at all. Life is controlling them. And the, and the devious part of that is they think they're in control. So if you think you're in control, you're never going to change. Mm. What do you think, like, step one is for somebody? They're out there listening right now, they're feeling stuck. They, ha- they feel like they had a shitty childhood, and they feel like, you know, they put a lot of blame on that, and they carried a lot of that into their adulthood. What do you think step one is for them? You just said a whole bunch of things. So blame is a, is a big problem. Because if you focus on blame, where are you? You're in the middle of that mm-hmm. sea. So you're in the middle of that sea. <laughs> and I call that the sea of lost ships. That's where the lost live. There's mm. no hope for the lost. Mm. Because the only way the lost can be hope, helped is if they get those oars out and they row back into the current until they take some movement out of the out of the um, resignation. So action is step one. Like well, past recognizing it. Obviously. It's making a decision. Yeah. And the decision is it comes along with discovery. So not only do you need to make a decision as to who's in charge of life, you need to discover how you got here in the first place. Mm-hmm. You need to start looking into what your programming is. One of the best tools I can teach is every time a thought comes up that you really don't understand when you're 5% conscious, attribute to the drunk monkey. Give the drunk monkey a name. My drunk monkey's name is Rocky. Rocky's extremely uh, obnoxious. He's throwing bananas all over the place. He doesn't like that I lock him in the cage, but he's in a cage. He's still complaining right along the cage every once in a while. Um, most of the time, I don't hear anything from Rocky. At one point in my life, I heard a lot from Rocky. He was making a lot of noise, and sometimes Rocky still speaks up. But I know the difference between Rocky speaking and me speaking. Hmm. I know the difference between my authentic self and my programming. So 72% of what I believe was wrong as well. So I've had to systematically erase the tape. 
So how do you decipher the voices? Well, when you have a thought, chart it. When you think about anything in your life, chart it. What do you think about money? What is it about money that you... Uh, personally? Yeah. Uh, the only thing that money is makes it important is that it, it brushes away debt. If debt was gone, money would just be something that lets me live. Who has money? Not me. <laughs> Why? Because <laughs> of because uh, I made some decisions that put me into debt. Did you make those decisions? You're right. Yeah, I see where you're going. Programming. The programming made those decisions. So the first thing we need to do is eradicate these programs. We need to rewrite the tapes. Now, uh, strategic adventures like myself, we use techniques to go in and use metaphor to to erase batches at a time of programming. And I use symbolism. So I gave both of you a symbol. You don't know you don't know yet, uh, but it's keychain. The keychain is a keychain of a ship's wheel. So all of what we spoke about today, you will now remember and attach to the ship's wheel. Every time you see that ship's wheel, these programs will come back and play in your head. You play them enough, every time you touch that keychain, Rewire, so. it'll erase the programs that are contrary and replace them with the, the good ones that you've chosen. Hmm. So, Help me if I uh, understand. To sum it up, uh, most people are lost. Yes. And if you feel lost, the first step to do is to make the decision and understand that you're lost and work towards getting out of that. I have no idea where I am. You get out of that by finding somebody who has done it before. They're going to help you build a ship and then you set off on your own. And the goal is to find a harbor. And that harbor is whatever makes somebody happy. Right. It's personally defined. Not socially defined. Mm -hmm. Because the current has their own view of what, where, what harbor you should be looking for. Now, uh, statistically, if you follow the current, you can certainly do that. This provided you made a decision. But there's some perils. If you follow the current, what can you expect? How do you think the average person fares in life? If they follow the current, end up not very happy in the, in the long run. You think the average person is happy? No. 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 So, what, what would you say the average person's life is like? Nine to five. Nine to five. Okay. Yeah, just the like you're saying, a current, same thing over and over and over and over. You think they have a lot of storms in their lives? Uh -huh. Oh yeah. And what do they spend their times doing? Bailing. And complaining. Complaining. <laughs> <laughs> I keep bailing. <laughs> Because they're desperate. So yeah. the thing that separates the three areas of our lives, which is the Sagazo Sea, the North Atlantic Gyre, and the open ocean, are three things. Faith, hope, and love. In the Sagazo Sea, they don't have any love for themselves. <clears throat> they have no self-confidence. They have no self-esteem. They certainly don't have any hope that things can get any better. So they suffer. Mm. Suffering is is something that we choose. And the reason why people suffer is because people think that they have no control over their situation. We always have control. Even if it's a small piece of control. Mm. If we don't take the ship's wheel and move the ship, the ship will move. You're just not going to like where it goes. When did you grab the wheel? 
Oh, I've grabbed, I've had hold of the wheel for uh, 10 years now. Um, well, I've, I've had longer than that, but conscious control, um, 10 years ago. Do you remember the moment your your hands wrapped, or wrapped around it and you said, this is it? Well, probably when I realized um, my life purpose, and then I had a flashback to what I had done, and I noticed the hitch. What is your life purpose? My life purpose is to help people lead lives of fulfillment. To get them unstuck. Um, I'm fulfillment driven. That's mm. my whole life is about fulfillment. And the only way you can be fulfilled is to contribute outside yourself. So this podcast is very much part of um, what my goal in life is, to help people get unstuck. Mm. Um, another way I, I help people is I, I'm a life coach. Well, I'm not a, I don't like the term life coach because life coach is a very generic term. Um, I'm a fulfillment coach and a strategic interventionist. Now, strategic interventionist is a um, therapy light. So we go in strategically remove um, that which is plaguing somebody. Whereas a therapist would go in and have you relive it, dredge it all up, replay the programs, and just have you relive all the problems all over again. I don't do that. I untell you from the, the anchor that's holding you back. So you can move forward. Um, so getting around really good people is a great um, way of, um, of moving forward. Mm -hmm. um, with Waypoint, one of the um, things I'm doing is starting in September, I'm, I'm going to be hosting mastermind meetings. Now the purpose of the mastermind meetings is because if you are left to your own devices, even if you have the desire to move forward, you are surrounded by other people who have drunk monkeys. You are surrounded by everyone in your life is drifting on the drift currents. Or worse, in the Sagazo. And they have influence over you. Mm -hmm. Especially if you love them. So <laughs> one of my other steps is to hoist the anchors, which means get rid of the people who have influence over you. Where you down. Right, people hold you back. Yeah. Some people are good anchors, some people are bad anchors. The anchors that keep you uh, stuck, you want them gone. Um, if that means cutting the chain, cut the chain. Um, but if there's somebody who you love, you can't really cut the chain of your mother. So bring her on board, but don't let her have any influence over you anymore. Put it in storage. <laughs> the same place with the drunk monkey. <laughs> I was going to say that. I, I wouldn't wish that upon anyone. No, part of my program probably came from my mother, so. <laughs> They'd probably find company. Thanks, Mom, for training yeah. my drunk monkey. <laughs> um, but um, the other thing is, anchors can keep us centered. Mm. Um, sometimes anchors, and there are usually two anchors on a ship, you can put two anchors out that keep us from drifting. So anchors can be a very good thing. Uh, anchors are also things that can anchor us. Thoughts, emotions, doesn't have to be people. Um, belief systems that are um, intolerance is a, is a big one that anchors people. Because they're not able to find the person who can help them build the blueprint. Because they're too, too busy putting people in boxes. And judging everybody. Yeah. Right. And um, when we take people out of the box and realize that even though we are very different, because our gifts are different, we are very much the same. Mm. Human behavior is human behavior. So 
a strategic interventionist can do what he does, or what I do, because I can predict your patterns. Because we all work the same. Not only can I predict the patterns, I know what the current teaching is. So if I understand the teachings of the current, I can predict what your next thought is going to be. Because I know how we've been programmed. Some of the programs is very troubling. Um, I was doing an exercise with you yesterday, I think, about, um, have you ever heard, um, yeah, you can't teach an old dog new tricks? Mm -hmm. How about, you're never too old to learn? Have you heard both of those? Oh yeah, both. I disagree with. Well, it doesn't matter if you disagree with them. If you hold both of those programs, the contrary. So what happens when you have a contrary program? It's just like a constant fight in your head, kind of. <laughs> Look before you leap. Have you heard that one before? Mm -hmm. He who hesitates is lost. So should you leap or what should we be doing? Should you jump without looking or should you look before you jump? Yeah. So we have lots of contrary programming. Mm -hmm. That's why a lot of us look like we're kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah. We're being pulled in multiple directions. Multiple currents. Yeah. yeah. Um, also to stop drifting, people. the best way to stop drifting is to learn your personality style. Mm. Um, personality style is your natural tendencies. Uh, how are you naturally um, geared to to uh, handle the world? Because that has a lot to do with how you analyze information as well. So you have your programming that analyzes information. Subconscious mind is um, you have all your conscious thoughts that go and get filtered through your subconscious mind. Subconscious mind is crazy. It skews the information that comes from consciousness out. So garbage in, garbage out. That's where that comes from. Mm. So you could have conscious thought, and um, a lot of gurus will say, well, just do affirmations. Affirmations are fantastic, right? You're going to be positive thinking. Problem is you're only thinking 5% of the day. So how powerful is that? So that affirmations are only working 5% of the day. What about the other 95% of the day? And that's on the high side. <laughs> and the subconscious mind is a million times more powerful than the conscious mind. Big problem. We've got to get rid of that subconscious program. Mm. So stop filling the drunk monkey. Stop blaming the drunk monkey. You want to blame? Blame the drunk monkey for all the programs. Everyone you don't like, attribute to the drunk monkey. And then one day you can throw the drunk monkey overboard. And when you do, metaphorically, all those programs will go with it. So it's like attaching it to something right. just to make it more, you know, real for people to be able to... Metaphors are the most powerful way to attack your subconscious mind. Yeah. That's why you symbolism. Symbolism is extremely powerful. Once you learn the symbol, once you learn the story behind the symbol, your mind will automatically erase all those programs. Well, yeah, I, I guarantee you're gonna think differently when you leave. Probably. I feel like after our conversation yesterday, I was just like, hmm, that makes a lot of sense. Like everything just kind of, you know, led to that conversation. And I've kind of been, you know, already been doing a lot of the steps that you're talking about to break the chains and, you know, get get out of the currents, including, you know, like finding Andy. Like he's, he's taught me a lot about like how I handle myself, you know, how I handle stress, what ways I learn best, things like that. And it's, I think it's so important to have somebody like Andy in your life, like somebody that, um, kind of like recognizes, like you're saying, so, somebody that's stronger than you, but recognizes like your weaknesses too, and doesn't judge you for them. 
everyone needs a compass. Mm-hmm. Because compass gives us direction. Um, so the mastermind meetings that um, I put on, the purpose of that is to keep us from drifting and also to find that compass. But other people in your life can be compasses as well. Mm-hmm. So um, I just know a compass. <laughs> he's a compass in training, but he's, he's becoming very strong. Antonio is a compass. He's a natural compass. Mm-hmm. That's his gift. Um, so that's what I'd say. Um, also, you need to create a child course. Most people don't create any type of plan. But that's where strategies come in. You can go to the library and get tons of strategy books. And once you finish your subconscious program, you can actually apply the strategies. Mm-hmm. Most people don't take action because they're not trained to. Most people don't think because all the lives people have thought for them. And that's how the system was designed, by the way. Our compulsory education system was put in place specifically for control. You know, my, cons- my conspiracy brain is like, it's clicking right now, like thinking of all the different systems. It's not a conspiracy. Well, yeah. That's um, just the popular word they like to use. Yeah. Um, are you aware of how our compulsory education system came to be in the first place? I don't even know what that is. Um, typical education. Okay, standard, yeah. Yeah. Uh, mandatory education. If you don't go to school, what happens? The truancy officer shows up. Mm-hmm. Right? It's mandated education by the state. The state must make must watch over your education. Where'd that come from? Where'd that idea come from? So before the state came in, were we idiots? <laughs> were people just ninko boots that couldn't do anything for themselves? Probably and the so. state came to the rescue and, and fixed it all? What is the real story behind all of that? What is it? We're not supposed to know. Oh. There's no history on it at all. There is tons of history, but we're not taught the history. Mm. See, in 1806, Napoleon Bonaparte, um, he invaded Prussia. And it was during the Seven Year War. And it was a clean sweep right over the Prussian army. The reason being is the Prussian army could think for themselves. They had free wealth. So they chose to retreat. (laughs) And they did. well, Prussia decided to change their education system it's to include duty, honor, and obedience to indoctrination. In fact, the person who um, was instrumental in helping form the, the German, well, it's in modern day Germany, but the Prussian education system was joined by the name of Johann Fitch. And here's his quote. Um, the schools must fashion the person and fashion him in such a way that he simply cannot will otherwise than he wishes to will. Education should aim at destroying free will so that after pupils are thus schooled, they will be incapable throughout the rest of their lives of thinking or acting otherwise than their school matters would have wished. When this technique is thus performed or perfected, every government that has been in charge of education for more than one generation will be able to control us and to control its subjects securely without the need for armies or policing. Mm-hmm. So what do you think about that? So it makes sense. <laughs> well, that's impressive. I'm not talking about the United States, right? <laughs> Except some people from Massachusetts decided, Horace Mann specifically, who was a senator from Massachusetts, decided to go over to Prussia and see um, what they were doing. He was looking for a compulsory education system to bring here. Now, what was going on in America prior to compulsory education? We had the most educated populace. We could read, write, three different languages. Hmm. 
Yeah, because this was early 1800s, you said, 1806? Yeah, that was pretty good price. Uh, we could read and write in multiple languages. Right around the time they were growing hemp. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> we already had free compulsory education. Yeah. Um, we already had free education, not compulsory education. So anybody who didn't have the, the means of teaching their own children could send them free education. And the schools weren't full, because there wasn't a need. So this politician goes over, a bunch of other politicians, goes around trying to find the compulsory education he likes. He goes to Russia and says, oh, I like that system. Mm -hmm. So they adopted it here. Hmm. You know, that really goes along with what I heard recently, um, that the current education system is outdated. Right? It was it was really made so that we would remember things, but now that we have phones attached on our on our hip hip belt, you know everything just by pulling out your phone. You don't need to know math. You just yeah. Put it in. All the teachers I used to tell like I used to get bad grades in math only because they'd be like, okay, here's the problem, and I'd be like write down the answer like well write down you have to write down your work like you're not gonna have a calculator with you everywhere you go I was like well I did it in my head but yeah if you give me a calculator it's even easier <laughs> now we have a calculator with us at all times <laughs> so when I talk about compulsory education I'm not at all saying that education is not important in fact it is very vitally important mm -hmm. but I don't necessarily believe that the state has to be in charge of education but it is that's the reality so because the state is in charge of our education we have to be aware of what it does for our children Teachers go into education not because they want to control us. Mm -hmm. The system was designed for that purpose. 100%. And if we think that the system has changed, it hasn't. In fact, um, in 1967, Sam Lambert, uh, Lambert was the executive secretary of the NEA. He said the NEA will become a political army second to no other special interest group. Mm. That was the purpose of the NEA. Never thought NEA stood for National Education Association. And I thought that should have something to do with education. But apparently, it has to do with politics. There are two types of control, I mean two types of power in the world. Power is very necessary for, for success. Because power compels our vote. Um, but there's power through influence, which is a good thing. You're getting people to voluntarily follow you. And power through control. When people are following you because they have to, because it's compulsory. So, like, I, I, you know, I like living in America. America's awesome, but that's how I feel about patriotism sometimes. Like, it's like a thing that's like forced, you know, to indoctrinate people. Like, you have to love your country or you get the F out, you know? And it seems like education kind of falls right in line with that. I never even knew that. <laughs> I think we should love our country because our country is us. Yep. It's a metaphor for us. Um, and it's very loose. Mm -hmm. um, but our country is defined by two documents. That's what our country is defined by. And that's all. So when you love a country, you love the freedoms that we, that we have. Because America's not great because our people are great. Our people are just as flawed as everyone else in the world. Mm -hmm. um, which is why we are so divided. Well, America's great because the idea that we can be in control of ourselves is a new idea. Mm -hmm. And again, people who who are in power systematically do not like that. So they've tried to undo the story of America. And that's what compulsory education is. So what can the average person do? Just be aware of where the programs come from. It'd be the century of the gate. So any other subconscious program that goes in, they give the okay to. 
they have to be very aware of who they're surrounding themselves with. Mm -hmm. If they're surrounding themselves with people who are building robots, they're going to know that and take these anchors on board. But they need to get out and find some people who are going to be building the type of boats they're going to take them where they want to go. Yeah. So you mentioned to just to observe your thoughts and kind of put them in a column between is that me or is that the monkey? What kind of thoughts, what might somebody write down? Money's the root of all evil. Well, if money's the root of all evil, then... Why are we all chasing it? <laughs> right, so you really want money? See, so uh, subconscious mind is uh, very powerful because we cannot do contrary to what our belief system tells us we can do. So if we say we, we think money's the root of all evil, did you want money? You want to be evil? I don't. So you ever see people who money repellent? <laughs> All the time. <laughs> right, why is it that money repellent? Because they hold beliefs that are contrary. They have negative thoughts. Your mind that. cannot do contrary to what your beliefs tell it. Mm -hmm. So if you tell yourself you're, you think money's evil, you're not going to go chasing money. Consciously you might want to, but when that conscious thought gets fed through the system, it comes out, no money. It's too bad that right now, for so many Americans, um, college debt is overwhelming. I like to view it as like a, uh, a ball and chain that's strapped to your ankle. And every month, you take a couple of pennies out, right? It's filled with pennies. And every month, you take a couple out. And the only way to get that key is money. Money is the key to unlatch that ankle belt. So who told you you had to go to college? The programs. So why are you listening to me? Because I was young. Susceptible. Mm -hmm. right. I mean, you know, actually, even to this day, I don't regret it. Because I met a lot of people. I made a lot of connections in college. That even though right now I'm really biting the bullet, as I need to work hard to make money to pay off that debt, I would, had I known, I'd do it all over again. I think people do it backwards. You need to identify your harbor first, and then go to college. Mm. People don't know what the harbor is. I remember when I was I was younger and I went to college, and um, I went to an advisor. And I said, "Gee, I want to figure out what I want to be when I grow up." And I went to this oracle, and he was trying to show me, he was trying to give me the direction that I needed, and he didn't. So he's a college advisor. So what are they advising me on? <laughs> Where did you end up graduating uh, with? I went to a community college, but um, I realized that I wanted to be in real estate. I wanted to work with kids who were with real estate, so I was a teacher for a while, and um, the politics of teaching was really not something I, I took to. Yeah. So I teach now, I teach as a real estate broker. So why real estate? I don't know why I've been drawn to real estate. I've always been drawn to real estate since I was very, very little. It was children or real estate. Hmm. Well, teaching primarily. If I look back at what, why I wanted to teach, because foundations. Real estate, I teach my agents foundations. Part of your purpose. I didn't know that at the time. Yeah. I didn't know that's why I was interested in teaching. Hmm. 
Yeah, I think about that a lot. Like, you know, every decision leads to something else. Like, sometimes I'll think about a, a, a bad decision I've made, and then I can, at this point in life, I can trace that all the way back to something bad that happened to me when I was like five. I'm like, because this happened, and this happened, and this happened, and this happened, and this happened. Okay, never again. Like, break that. Yeah. We are not the, um, we are not our past. Yes. We are the architect of our future. We are only as good as at our last at bat. Yes. <laughs> and we have, we have the pen and paper to rewrite our programs. So it's just as simple as focusing on the rewriting of our programs. The yes. focusing on being in control of our lives. And thinking consciously. Most people don't know what they want to be. The biggest problem I have when I wake somebody up is to say, well, I've been asleep all these years. How do I do any of this? I've been told all my life in school what to, what to think and what to be and what to do. Mm-hmm. I go to a job, they tell me what I'm supposed to do. I go, I go home, my wife tells me what to do. So what am I supposed to do? They're not used to being in control of this shit because all their lives they weren't. Yep. Though they thought they were. It's an illusion. Think about it, if you got the wrong answer on the test, where the, where the answer, the right answers come from? The teacher. Yep. The teacher told you what was the right answer. Or a book told the teacher what was the right answer. Right. <laughs> Vikings have horns on their helmets? In school they did. Yeah. I have books depicting Vikings with horns. Vikings didn't have horns on their helmets. Napoleon Potnabot was not short. He wasn't. And Clarissa Columbus did not discover America. It was discovered long before him. And Newton didn't discover gravity from an apple falling on his head. <laughs> they knew about gravity prior to that. So all these lessons we learn in school are just wrong. And even today, I, I, I think that I know, and there's quotes I've used in the past, and then they look them up and say, well, there's some argument whether or not the person even ever said it. <laughs> it seems like the only thing that I really remember from school are the things that you're telling me aren't true. <laughs> Yeah. And then we go to college and we pay for more. Yeah. Give me more. Yeah. Give me more false information. Give me more of your opinion. Give me more of your monkey. Yeah, so it's like, you know, they, they basically are having a curriculum that's taught to them, that's passed down to them, and then they have their version of that curriculum that they're now training your drunk monkey to think about all the time, basically. You know all the colleges came from in America? You know where they originated from? UK? No, um, people went to Prussia to get the doctorates. Uh, they came back to the United States and founded off universities. Hmm. Our country is fully immersed in the Prussian education system. Hmm. <clears throat> and we know where that came from. So we know what, what could, the power that the, um, the state can have over people. Because that Prussian education system, which is now Germany, what, how certain people um, who were in control of Germany handled that, ed- that information. Germany had control of education, had control of the churches, and had control of pretty much all of the culture, schools, churches, media. What would you say to someone who was lost in that sea? What would you this say that? The Sargasso Sea? Someone who's lost in the Sargasso Sea and they don't know what makes them happy. They have no direction. They're too way too far away from even worrying about that that issue. The thing they need to worry about is getting out of the Sargasso Sea. 
and what they need to do is stop you making any excuses. Blame justification complaint of the three crutches that people utilize when they don't want to face the reality. They resign from life, not because um, they don't want to have a good life. At one point they did, but they stopped believing they could. So it's easier to make excuses than to take action and move forward because, there's another one of my favorite quotes, Ben Franklin, whoever fails, uh, feels pain in hearing good character of his neighbor will feel pleasure in the reverse. And those who despair to rise in distinction by their virtues are happy when others can be depressed with the level of themselves. People in Sagaza see like to bring people in with them. Misery loves company. And why does misery love company? Because they're miserable. <laughs> they're because they, people don't, they don't feel like they made the wrong choice. Mm. If you pull mm. other people in with you, then you don't have to take any control of your life. See? I told you life was fixed. See? I told you all of life is suffering. See? I told you it was for the rich. See? Any number of justifications for why their life didn't go the way they wanted to. But one thing they don't want to do is grab the oars and go the boat. Stop putting in the work. And the only way they can do that is get rid of the crutches. When you don't have anybody to blame, when you don't have anything to justify any longer, and when you can't complain, what do you do then? You're only left with one thing. You and the boat. The oars. If you could think of one thought that you've had recently that it was your drunken monkey, what do you think it would be? Um, I have no idea. <laughs> well, I think that's a really hard question. The two primary fears of mankind are that they're not enough. So the drunken monkey loves to spit that out all the time. That if you do something, you're not going to be enough. You're going to fail. You're not going to be good at it. You're not going to know enough. You're not going to be enough. And the second thing is, if you do what I'm telling you to do, you're not going to be loved. Yeah. So you mentioned Benjamin Franklin. Yes. One thing that I really admire, well, there's a lot of things I admire about Ben Franklin, but was his structure. So even though he was an entrepreneur, he no one was telling him that he had to work every day. He did. He, he created a schedule at this time, I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to allow myself some leisure, and then I'm going to go back to work. Do you have a schedule that you follow every day? I can't say I do any longer. I used to follow a religious schedule, but I don't take long. Um, my family is kind of um, unique. I have a child who is who's 18 in a wheelchair. He's completely disabled, so he's completely dependent on us for everything. So my schedule is however many doctor's books he has, I have to, which is part of the reason why I became an entrepreneur in the first place. It was the most fun, the easiest choice. Yeah. Because flexibility. Yeah, job would have fired, you're just for taking care of your son, right. you know? My daughter is um, seven, she has um, Down syndrome. And she's gone through a spot where she's had leukemia and she's had open heart surgery. So she's had tons of medical issues. And I have a typical child right in the middle, who's, who's uh, nine. So their schedules and making sure he feels like he's getting enough attention and involved in scouting and has his own life and feels like she's getting all the neat work she needs. We have to juggle, juggle that. So I've always brought people on board who could utilize my strengths and my talents and my, my knowledge if in return they would do the work. But that's not always easy because people don't like to work. Mm -hmm. People don't like rowing the boat. 
It's one of my favorite things. We've had so many people that reach out to us for our farm. Let us know if you need help. And then when it comes time, we're like, hey, we need help. Oh, I got this family thing I got to go to today. Yeah, people are busy. <laughs> people want to take the fast easy way. Yeah. Um, there's no elevated success in anything no. serious. <laughs> You know, all this talk of um, ships and the ocean is bringing back a, uh, a story that I, I read. I was on a mountain climbing, uh, I was on a glacier climbing a mountain, and I was reading the story, The Endurance. Are you, are you familiar no. with that story? Oh, it's, uh, I, I was hoping that you had some all the insight. insight. It's one of the most courageous um, acts of bravery that I've ever seen. It was, uh, to sum it up, it's, it was a, uh, a guy who wanted to be the first person in the center of Antarctica. He gathered a team, uh, they got stuck in the ice, and their boat broke apart. Now they're drifting on this giant thing of ice, and would, most men would, I give up. This time, I can't survive, I don't have any food, I'm a, there's nothing here. So he didn't give up, and eventually they spent, like, it took him like a year and a half of slowly spinning in this current of ice. And eventually they got spit out, and they had a couple of rowboats. And all of the men, the 23 to 30 men, got on these two rowboats. In the middle of the night, they crossed the most horrific uh, area of sea, and the and their navigator was able to see a small glimpse of a star through the storm. They had one glimpse, and with that one glimpse, he was able to navigate both ships to this a very small island that you'd easily shoot shoot by. But they landed, crash landed on this island, and then they, they survived another few months, and one day they manufactured the one of the ships, and uh, the main, the captain, ended up steering the ship and they landed on the side of a, a mountainous island that he knew there was a harbor on the other side, a small boating place. But in order to get from where he was to the other side, he had to cross mountains that had never been traversed before. So he, he took apart the boat and he nailed screws into the bottom of his shoes and they crossed the mountain. They scaled it all the way up and all the way down and nearly froze to death, nearly fell off a cliff. And after this whole time, they finally made it to the, the shack and they're like, oh my gosh, Shackleton, I didn't even recognize you. You're, where have you been for the past three years? So this whole story condensed and nobody died. They ended up sending rescue. And why is that? Because they didn't give up. They had endurance. And they had each other. That's right. They worked together as a team. We're not meant to go through this life alone. Step five of my, my approach is you have to hire a crew. Mm. One of the big reasons why you have to build a strong boat is you have to bring other people on board with you. You need the help of others to move you forward. And without that help, you're not going to get very far. So you need to have a strong boat and then bring other people who have a strong boat on board. Together, nothing can stop you. Thank you. So, I have uh, something that you mentioned earlier is that everybody has that treasure chest, something that they're really, really good at. And the thing is, everybody, like you said, everybody is, has something that they're really good at. How do you find other people to build your team? Well, in the current, there's no way. Look. 
So mm. one of the purposes of Waypoint is to not only bring people together, is to identify their strengths through um, personality profiling tests and give them a, a tag that this is who I am. So other people who need that personality and that set of strengths could be attracted to them. But not only that, tag them what their interest is. What is your harbor? Mm. And when you find people at the harbor who have the same harbor as you and the same pers- the personality that you're missing, smash right in heaven. So do you think if somebody hasn't quite found their harbor yet, like there's just no hope for that person? Or? Oh, no, no. They haven't found the harbor because our culture doesn't teach anybody to find their harbor. Yeah. I feel like a couple of years ago, I had almost no clue. I had ideas, like you're saying, like, I knew it was going to be something revolving around cannabis when I really think back to it, right? I was, we were on the hemp panel this past weekend, and I thought of how I've been telling my father since 2010 that the nursery he works for needs to get into cannabis. And since 2010, I don't know, I don't know. And it's 2019, and they're about to be bought out. They're about to get, they're about, they have to sell their business now because they died, basically, and didn't innovate and didn't do anything new. And uh, so when I think back to the stories like that, now it's like we're on board with the hemp thing, we're helping people with it, and you know, it seems to be really clicking for both of us. And it, it kind of goes back to what you're saying, that you, you figure out when you when you found your harbor, you figure out that like life was trying to like guide you towards that harbor the whole time, and you're like, Cannabis. No, 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 go back into sales. Cannabis. No, 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 no. do this. Well, the car is pulling you back. Yeah, yeah. It's very powerful, the car. But also, sometimes when people get out in the middle of the ocean, they um, they think that this is the only harbor, so they stay, stay with their course, and sometimes life gets in the way. Mm-hmm. So you need to learn how to adjust your course. You can't just stay, stay the course because sometimes it changes. Yeah. Could be a big iceberg in the way, and then. <laughs> or sometimes you don't want that harbor anymore. Yeah. Um, lighthouse is different, but harbors, we change all the time what we want. My car choices before when I was younger are going to be different than my car choices now. Now I need more practical cars than I needed when I was younger. <laughs> and my sports car when I was young. So that when I'm older, I can have a practical car, and it's just reality. It's a um, reality of life. We need. It was just that course. Mm. When you were finding your course, you you went to the library. Who who are some of your favorite authors? Napoleon Hill. Napoleon Hill is probably the most influential um, in my life. I would say the number one author of all time. But also W. Clement Stone, Augmenti. Um, I used to work for Claude W. Clement Stone. Hmm. Um, w. Clement Stone is the founder of Combined Insurance Company of America. And later in life, he became the manager of Napoleon Hill. Oh. And when I came um, part of uh, Combined Insurance Company of America, we were given a gift. If you look at my library, there's a success system that never fails. Mm-hmm. That was a gift that we were given. But a lot of other gifts as well, um, Successor of Positive Mental Attitude, which he wrote with um, Napoleon. Uh, I noticed that you have it right next to the Law of Success. Yes. Very yes. Well. Every single one of those books is strategically advice for a reason. Mm-hmm. They're with this symbol. Hmm. What is the symbol of the seagull? That's a drifting seagull. That's just drifting. Oh, okay. People are just drifting aimlessly. Seagulls are just landing and 
We'll just go around and around circles. I'm not going very far from the shore. Ooh, a french fry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah some of us getting distracted. Ooh, look at shiny thing. Yeah. <laughs> yep, so that, that's one of the symbols. And then you have, we have a, over there, we have a um, captain's hat. Yeah. The foster taking control of your ship. Yeah. And also hiring a crew. So, mm. and the, the, the piggy bank, the pig bank actually has three spots. Um, so you move it? No, it has three slots. Oh, okay. And the three slots have... Um, uh, so you spend money. Yeah, so there's actually should be five slots in there, but I didn't read the piggy bank. That's <laughs> what I could find. But it's talking about how, how you should spend money and how money management and have the saving. What are the five? <laughs> um, charity, education, um, spending, because you should have a separate spending account. Um, you should have long-term savings. So that's, that's for um, anything that's going to the storms come up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's your storm fund. And then you need also investing account. That's 50%, and the other 50% is what you would normally spend. Mm-hmm. So you, what your life expenses are. So you should spend 50-50. So that's why like, I, when, when, t- when talking to like successful people, they always say that you want to make at least like twice as much as you're paying for bills. Yeah, and we want to live on as little as possible. You want to cut your expenses as small as possible so you can spend more on the other. Exactly. Yeah, because that's what leads to your long-term happiness. That's right. That's how you build your your financial support. If you're not putting away for the future, you're not going to have a strong enough post. Every storm is just going to capsize you and take you back. Wow. There is no success without developing the habit of saving. Yeah, it's definitely just something I've been trying to implement in my life while fighting storms. It's not easy. <laughs> not easy. And because our, our car doesn't teach it. Yep. Yep. All these things that we find not easy, not because they're not easy. They're just not. They're new. Yeah. It's like new programming a new thing into your computer, into your hard drive, while trying to subsequently like delete that file and it just keeps coming back. <laughs> the good news is once they enter our subconscious, it's automatic. Because mm. we cannot do anything other than what our subconscious mind tells us to do. Mm. So it works both ways. Right now it's a, a nuisance. The drunk monkeys span the neck. But when we get rid of them and we implement the warrior, we get a whole different, whole different reality. So it's essentially about training your unconscious mind with what little conscious thoughts you have, basically. So like. We want to use as much of our energy when we're conscious, getting rid of the unconscious. Yeah. Or increase consciousness. You can't. Is there, is there, there's no way. So it's more like reprogramming the unconsciousness rather right. than just You want to program your subconscious mind while you're using you, while you're conscious. So taking conscious moments of your day to purposely, because you're living on purpose now, yeah. get rid of the programs that you disagree with. And even have a, a say in them, because most of the things you believe, you believe because somebody told you to. How many people are Republican or Democrat because their parents were? How many people are Catholic or, or whatever religion they are because their parents were? Sports teams. Sports teams, yeah. right? Because where you live. We didn't choose those. That's the programming taught us yeah. who to choose. And if you go against the current, they don't like it. Yeah. So if you're in, a, in Massachusetts, you are not a Red Sox fan, you're the end. I used to tell my parents I was a Yankees fan just to piss them off when I was a kid. Just like I go to Connecticut and tell people Connecticut I'm a Red Sox fan, it drives them insane. Yep. <laughs> Good 
They're on the border. They're like half and half. They're, they're Red Sox. I mean, they're um, Yankees and Mets. Yeah. Oh, okay. And then you got a few mixed in like the Red Sox. We're part of New England. <laughs> so, so, yeah, it's just about our program. That's the primary um, starting point. Mm. Awesome. This was surprisingly insightful. <laughs> this is really I, I came into this, I had no clue. <laughs> Zero. Usually, I'll do like preparation beforehand and kind of like have some, some questions lined up and like. This time was, <laughs> yeah, it was a very pleasant surprise. We actually, we were, we were having a conversation about, because uh, we have a, a lot of work to do on the farm and, you know, with the podcast, and he was like, you know, where does podcasting fall in, like, the hierarchy of, like, you know, what's important? And I was like, you know, podcasting is very important. He's like, but I think, I was like, trust me, tomorrow, just trust me. Like, I would not put a podcast on for how busy we are unless I knew it was going to be extremely uh educational for both of us and for our audience so and anybody else we probably wouldn't be doing this podcast with right now because it's been crazy weather and the storms of you know being a business owner i don't know why that keeps turning up there are lots of storms yeah there's a physical storm literally coming tomorrow and as hemp growers were like no come on like something divert that off like <laughs> and um Hopefully by December. I, I've been writing a book for the last ten years called Don't Have a Revolt. Yeah. At the name. Um, Love it. To take people through the lessons of the ocean. Mm. Is there an audio version of that Napoleon Hill book? There, there is. Mm. There is. You can, I think it's um, probably coming now, so you can probably get it online. Is your book available? Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. yet. When are you expecting it to be? December. And where can uh, where can people find you? Um, WaypointMastermind.com, um, EBMRealty.com, EBMKS.org, um, any one of those three things, and those three places would be. And you hold a mastermind class September 10th, you said? September 10th, yes. You, got, you guys have more dates than that already picked up. It's once a month. It's the second Tuesday of every month, and we're going to cut it off at a certain number. Um, and part of Waypoint Mastermind, I, I believe that we need to have people um, learn through demonstration. Because when you start doing something, you learn a heck of a lot better than when you are talking about it. Mm -hmm. So in Waypoint, I strategically placed it so that you are actually doing the seven steps without knowing you're doing it. And when you put it in place, um, it'll stop really messing with your subconscious programming and that monkey's not going to know what to do. That might have a brief moment of freak out, but... Um, and people are not going to be very comfortable either at the beginning because I'm going to be having them stretch what's possible. First time somebody put $150,000 in my hand, to stretch what was possible. Right, so now what's my, what my limit? I can make $150,000. At least I can make $150,000. Yeah. What if I've only lived in, in a world where I can make forty? dollars my max? The more you stretch your belief system, the better evil to handle that. And that's what Waypoint does. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, well said. Yeah. So if you could leave people with one last piece of advice, what do you think it would be? Stop drifting. Take control of the boat, be captain of your ship. Love it. Love it. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for being on. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for listening to another episode of, uh, you know what, you know what I was just thinking, where that drum 
Monkey needs to go. <laughs> AA for entrepreneurs. <laughs> 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 <laughs>